got to tell you, I look forward to the end of the message. I know you all do too. <laughs> because at the end of the message, someone carries this thing off for me. And it's so heavy, I feel like I get a hernia. I'm like, every time I lift it up. So it's... Wow, you guys are going to be tough. <laughs> it's like, we don't know what's coming after Easter. I got water thrown at me. I stand, anybody Easter last week here? Okay, so after last week, we're standing outside and, and two guys were talking and one's all, I think I got more God on me than you did. <laughs> so, if you weren't here, I'm sorry for an inside joke. I should never do that from the front. Welcome to Element. If you don't own a Bible, there are Bibles in the back. You can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are sermon notes on all the communion tables around the room. If you have a smartphone, you get an app called Uversion. Click on Live. It'll bring us up um, by GPS in your smartphone. You'll get the sermon notes and the questions and the verses and all that kind of stuff. Also, uh, what we are doing is I got shown something that's really cool. It's in its very infant stages, so don't get too excited yet. But uh, someone is helping to develop an iPhone app for us. Okay, so if you have an iPhone or an iTouch or an iPad or something like that, hopefully what will happen in the future, because we know that version keeps screwing up on all you guys, that you will actually be able to just get the pushed update. So you come into service, if you have the app, open it up, and then you will actually, from Elements app, be able to get all the verses and stuff that we go through, as well as the blogs. And it just sounds so awesome. And then if you're like an Android geek, whatever, you can maybe try and find a way to make that work for your whatever. Oh, hating on the androids. I know. Uh, one other thing uh, that I want to tell you about. If I had somebody ask me about this the other week, and just to let you know, we, we don't put signs up anywhere. If you ever driven somewhere and thought, that's an ugly church sign, well, that's not us, all right? Because we, we don't put signs up anywhere. We don't advertise. We don't, we don't mail things to people. We don't, we don't do any of it. Uh, so if you ever think that it, it's us and you got something in the mail, it's not us. We actually had somebody start attending here, though, because they go, hey, we got your thing in the mail. And I'm like, well, we didn't send anything in the mail, but awesome, you know. It's great. Uh, but we, we are what is called a missional church. We think that every person who calls himself as a believer is on mission. The, the place you work, the neighborhood you live in, your family, home, every place that you are, you are the missionary to that culture. You live and show who Jesus is by your life to those people. And that is how people will come to know who Christ is. And so with people who come here, you should be inviting them. So they come, they have a connection with you, they sit with you, they hang, you know, and, and they have that connection already. So that's what we want. That's why we don't put up signs. That's why we don't mail things in the mail because the connection should be because you guys are making connections. Not that if you came because of somebody else's flyer that we're not glad to have you. We are, but you know. Just, we didn't mail it to you, but <laughs> on their dime. All right. <laughs> Won't you stand there reading to God's word? This is Genesis 1, 1 and 2. And it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we as your people ask that we would begin to understand the concept of spirit, our spirit, your spirit, what that means and who you call us to be. And when we understand that call and live in the strength of your spirit, that more and more people would know who you are because of how we live. Amen. Have a seat. So I know what you're thinking. You promised us the Song of Solomon. Yes, I did. Uh, and we're going to hit that in, in four weeks. But I had this idea to call Song of Solomon the Summer of Love. Bow, chicka, wow, wow, you know, all, all that. And I got this little hippie idea going on. But we've got to get closer to summer so it works. 
So, I'm going to lay out a concept for you I've been meaning to talk to you guys about for a bit. Now, last week we, we celebrated Easter, Resurrection Day. It's wonderful. In church history, they had seasons because life is always boring if it's lived just on a flat line. So, they wanted to order their lives around certain rhythms. So, at Christmas, you get to a season called Advent. It's like four weeks before Christmas. Then you hit Christmas Day. And after Christmas, they had a season called Epiphany. Now, one day we'll probably actually do a season of Epiphany for you. So, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, and that epiphany lasted about six weeks. Uh, and then what you did is you waited, and then about six weeks before Easter, you got to Lent, which is a time of mourning and reflection. But at Easter, it's resurrection, and it is joy and celebration. And what that does is moves people after resurrection into a season of new life and new birth, and that is actually called the season of Pentecost. It's a season of the presence of God. So it goes Lent, Resurrection, Pentecost, death to life. It's not lamentation anymore. It is celebration of spirit. So we're going to talk about this idea of spirit for three weeks. Next week is actually Mother's Day, so we're going to take a break for next week, but then finish it the two weeks after that. And this is going to be an eagle's eyes view. We're going to be pulled out from it. And so if you walk away today going, we didn't really get into a whole bunch of nitty-gritty stuff. Well, that's going to be in the next two weeks of it. Today, I've got to lay the foundation for the house so to speak. So if your Bible open to John chapter 4, as we talk about spirit, what is spirit? Our spirit, more importantly, God's spirit. John 4.24, Jesus is having a conversation with a woman at a well. She has lived the modern American lifestyle of a TV sitcom, meaning she has had sex with a whole bunch of people all the time. And this, instead of making her life very funny, has made her life very destitute. She is ostracized. She feels alone. And so Jesus seeks her out to have some words with her and enters into conversation with her. In the midst of this conversation, she, he explains God to her with three words in John 4, 24. And the three words out of context, but in context, are this. God is spirit. See, and what does that mean, though, God is spirit? If I asked you to explain spirit to me or God's Holy Spirit, it seems like so many Christians become incoherent idiots when you ask them this question about the Holy Spirit. It's like, oh, the Holy Spirit is part of the triune Godhead. Well, yeah, but that doesn't answer the question I asked. You know, what is spirit? Well, it's the part that speaks to you in, in, in your mind. It comforts you. Oh, so it's like a voice in your head that... And nobody really wants to say yes to that because then we just look a, a little crazy. And so if I asked you to explain spirit, your spirit, God's spirit, and you couldn't use any Christianese. You can't use Christian words. You can't be like the eternally Godhead flowing, triune relationship of ever-present spiritness. You can't use words like that or say things like that because that just sounds crazy. Anyway, no Christian words. What would you say? Well, this is what Jesus does when he explains spirit to this woman. Now, their understanding was a little bit different than ours, but mostly a lot like ours today in America. Uh, in America today, everyone is spiritual. Everyone is. Even atheists. There's a website called spiritualatheism.com. And on the front page of their website, it says, Generally, spiritual atheists are the people who do not believe in God, thus the term atheist, but still consider themselves to be often deeply spiritual people. Really? <laughs> it, it just it doesn't make sense to me either. So if you had to do this intuitively, just in the world around you from your own experience, how would you explain spirit? And this series is not meant to slam anybody, but my observations have been because of some of the ways that people have explained spirit that has led to a whole lot of confusion. Sometimes churches will put signs up that say, we're a spirit-led church or we're a spirit-driven church. And many people, when they see this, their automatic thoughts go to belly dancing in the aisles and barking. And our first thought is, no way, it's not my team, I, I can't handle that. But other churches go the opposite direction. They treat the Holy Spirit like a weird relative they keep in the closet at family 
reunions because like that guy's weird. We don't want him coming out. We don't know what's going to do when he's around. And so it gets very divisive. It comes, well, do you speak in tongues or not speak in tongues? And it's all this weird stuff. The modern church reaction to spirit is either something we don't talk about or he gets embraced, but it seems like he shows up like the spiritual Richard Simmons workout video where all the crazy things take place. All the weird, you know what I mean, right? Okay, good. Over and over again throughout the scriptures, the important thing is that Jesus and the scriptures affirm the Holy Spirit, who he is. But basically, how do you explain spirit? What is the most basic understanding of spirit? And if you're not a Christian, haven't been to church in a while, this may be good for you. Not that I don't think every week is good for you, but this week may actually be good for you. No Christian terms. So what I need is I need two volunteers. Come on. We'll be here all morning. Two volunteers, preferably male. Because it could get violent. Okay, you can come up. All right. All right, come on up. All right. You can't have any shame. You stand there. Jake, go over on this side. Okay. Now, we're going to go back thousands of years so they're cavemen. So you got to stand like cavemen. <laughs> you look like a football player, by the way. Not so much cavemen, but, but, but you're doing okay. Keep, keep down there. Okay. Now, we're going to name him. What's his name? Thor. That's a good name for a caveman. Thor. Uh, you know. All right. What's his name? Sh- sh- shut up. Sugar. What? What did you say? Wait, what is it? Chinook. Thor Chinook. Last service was like Oog and Org, and it was like so much easier. Okay. Thor and Chinook. Okay. So they live next to each other. They, they come out of little caves, and, and they wave to each other. Good morning. Oh, yeah. Huh. There you go. Now, now one day, they get in a fight, all right? So what's the fight about? A woman. They're in a fight over a woman. That's the first thing someone said last service, too. It's like, what did dudes fight over? Women. Hear that, ladies? Men are always fighting. So they get into, they get into this fight, and they, get, they make loud grunting noises towards each other, and they stomp their feet. All right, in display of domination. And as the confrontation gets worse, Thor smacks Chinook on the back of the head. And Chinook falls over onto the stage as though dead, with his eyes closed, not laughing. It's a very serious moment. Thor comes and stands over Chinook. Chinook. And he thinks, this is not good. He feels real... He feels really bad. Okay. So what he does then is he leans over him and he places his ear over Chinook's mouth. Hmm? Now, why does he do this? See if he's breathing. And why? What's he going to conclude if he's not breathing? That he's dead. Yay, give me a hand. It's not my analogy. I found it somewhere. If it's good, great. If it's bad, it's not my analogy. Going back thousands and thousands of years, human beings have had an intuitive awareness that our life is not just our physical breath, but our physical breath is a representation of a far deeper unseen force, quote-unquote, and that is, in fact, the thing that gives us life. In almost every language, when you go back to the root for the word spirit, it is always traced to the word for breath or to breathe. It's very interesting. The words spirit and breath are the same. So there is a force of life that is granted to us, we believe, by God, and when you no longer possess it, you no longer live. 
It's directly connected with you being able to breathe. So in Hebrew, there are two words for spirit. The first one is the word nefesh. And if you have the notes, uh, it, this is my bad because I write like I'm five years old and I handed the note to Mikey and he thought he wrote down what I thought I said. And it says, I think it says nefesa or something like that in your notes. It's nefesh. Sorry. If you listen to the podcast and you get the U version, sorry. Okay. We're good to go. All right. Nefesh. Now, the word nefesh, you know what it translates as? To breathe. Translates to breathe. It is used over 750 times in the Old Testament scriptures, and it's also translated sometimes as soul. Now, the other word in the Old Testament is the word called ruach. Everybody say ruach. ruach. And now your throats are clear, and that's, that's great. This also translates as breath. It also sometimes is wind or spirit, but the image is that of breathing, your chest moving in and out that indicates life in people. Many take the symbolism to suggest, to suggest that spirit in us is the vitalizing principle that actually gives us life in the unique, immortal, personal life that is always rooted in the life of God. Now, in Job chapter 12, verse 10, it says, In his hand, that's God's hand, is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. In Isaiah 42, verse 5, it says, This is what, what God, the Lord, says, He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. Now, what is interesting to note is that Ruach is also ascribed to God as well as human beings, whereas Nefesh is simply for human beings. Now, in Greek, they use a couple words as well. In Greek, they use the word psyche. It's like, oh, I've heard that word. Yeah, you know where it comes from? To breathe. The, the word actually established by its Old Testament counterpart, nefesh. And so this is what sometimes in the New Testament we would translate as the word soul. It's used only 25 times in the New Testament. The other word for spirit is the word pneuma. Pneuma. You know what it means? To breathe. Breath. It means wind. It occurs nearly 400 times in the New Testament, and it refers usually to God, the Holy Spirit. Pneuma also derives itself from the Old Testament counterpart of Iraq. So, when we talk about spirit, it in one sense is what animates us, but gives us life on a much, much deeper level. Spirit, no Christian words, it, he is what animates all things. It is, I'll give you two things here, and they sound a little odd, but we're going to pull it all together, so just go with me and trust me. It is non-material essence. It is non-material essence. You, you have material stuff. You have like, like food and, and some of you wore shorts today because it's going to be 80 degrees and it feels like it's that, like that in this room already. And, and there's paper like you can take notes on and there's like instruments on the stage. And, and these are material things, material reality. When we talk about spirit, we are talking about non-material reality. Material is good, what you get your hands on, texture, taste, touch, smell, but there are other realities that are just as real that are immaterial. And the second thing, which is already up there for you, is sensory transcendence. I know it sounds a little odd, but just go with me. We have our five senses, taste, touch, smell, sight, hearing. We grasp our reality with these things, but there is reality beyond our reality that is just as real. If you uh, have someone that you love and you hold them and, and you embrace them. You feel them. That, that's sensory. You can touch it. You can kiss them. You can, you can sometimes taste them. You, you can hold them really tight and they go, and they breathe out. And Okay, nefesh, there, there, there it comes. But there's a deeper thing that goes on with that. Your love for them, it transcends all of that. Your shared history together is something that transcends just sensory input. Material and non-material. When people say things like, oh, they're very spiritual, well, in a sense, that's true because we all are, in a sense, spiritual. But that's only half the story of what true spiritualness is. 
But what they're trying to say is that so-and-so is more attuned to something that's going on out there that's in a non-material realm. It's like, we got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about? You guys are on the ball today. That's great. Today, spirituality is very much like the mentality of the ancient world in this regard. Though they would deny it and we would deny it too. They believed in spirit. They believed in things you could feel but not see with your senses, but you just had it deep inside. They believed that there were good and bad feelings, so there had to be then good and bad spirits. They believed there was a world beyond our world that was involved in the affairs of our world. And in one sense, it's like Christianity. In Ephesians 6.12, Paul says that our warfare is not just against flesh and blood, that there are other forces out there at work behind the stage. And so they believe there's a dark and a spiritual world out there that existed, but it was not ruled over by Jesus because they didn't know him or not believe in him, which is actually one of the reasons why Paul writes the book of Ephesians. Now, so the response in the ancient world is then to try to control and contain spirit. So what they did is they got involved in a way to try to manipulate this, to manage it, which is actually still true today. Uh, a lot of people, oh, they, they claim, oh, it's karma. But you've got to do really good things unless bad things happen to you. Or if you do bad things, bad things. And Christians do this as well. We think, well, if I do these nice things, then God's going to be nice to me. If I do bad things, then God's going to smack me. We think it's like karma. That is not true. That is actually sad because God is good. You need to trust that. And he will bring into your life what he needs to bring into your life. You cannot manipulate him in any way whatsoever. But this uncertainty for many people usually causes them to be fearful, so they jump into spiritual things to try to protect themselves from uncertainty. Now, biblically, we know that there aren't good and bad spirits. We know there are angels and demons, and that demons are fallen angels who rebelled against God because they wanted to rule in God's place. They were not willing to serve on his behalf. But today, we live in a world that is not following Jesus, but it considers themselves very spiritual. In the United States of America, even atheists are spiritual. Do you know, in a recent study, they found out that 96% of people in America will call themselves spiritual? Do you know that, that the number of people that brush their teeth every day is lower than that? That's crazy. We have more people who claim to be spiritual than brush their teeth every day. Nasty. It's just nasty. Spiritual people should brush their teeth, too. But what do these spiritual people pray to? To them, it's just not important at all what, what you pray to. The point is that we're just spiritual. There's a difference between spirituality and God. And this is the heart of spirit. In Barnes & Noble, there's a huge section called spirituality. But who God is, is not important. There's not a section called God. There's a section called religion, which is man's attempt to figure out who God is. But you have this thing called spirituality. This spirituality is just a section devoted to the general sky fairy of Oprah. It's like, who got it? Well, we, we like the sky fairy. It's really nice, but don't tell us who you think God is. It's America. No, nobody agrees. Just be spiritual. Many gods. No clarity. Everybody doing their own thing. And it's scary. In America, we believe in good and evil. We believe that we are more than just physical beings, that we are spiritual beings as well. And yet, any God will do. We believe in spirit and soul, but we know nothing of Jesus or the living God. That's a little crazy to me. That, oh, we'll just find whatever we want to believe in, and that's what we'll go with. Well, God has given us revelation about who he is. Now, in the whole idea of spiritual, we have individual and, and, and corporate spirituality. Individual spirituality is like someone says something to you. It, it hurts your heart or, or stings you. And so what you do in this is you maybe have a bad breakup experience or something like that, and your heart aches. We're, when we're happy, we're said to be in good spirit. So there's this whole idea of spirit in humanity, and then also communally. You know, that we're aware that there's something else going on in the world that's bigger than us, whether it's good or bad. 
There was a place where I used to get taken to as, as a kid. When you walked into this neighborhood, you literally felt oppression. It was, it was crazy how, how you walk in. It's like, oh, there is something different here. You ever walk into an office building where everybody's mad at everybody else, and you walk in, it's like, ooh, ooh, I can feel this. It's like, it's like the vibes. It's not a band. It's like the office building. It's, there's something crazy going on there. It's something we're all kind of aware of. Say a crowd is out of control. Maybe it's a riot. Maybe the, the Lakers win or they lose. Because it really doesn't matter to a Lakers fan. They all want to riot about something. So, you know, you know, everyone gets caught up in the spirit of the moment. Have you ever listened to a song and a song pulls you out of a pit? Or a song makes you contemplative or you get amped up wherever that is? All these things are things that are about spirit. And don't think I'm losing my mind here because in God's view, the true view, the, the right view, when Jesus says God is spirit, it is so much more than this. That is only half the story. In the Christian view, there's an affirmation of spirit, but not this vague, oh, they're so spiritual stuff. We believe that God's spirit is what fuels all life, dignity, hope, creation. And he is not only separate and distinct from his creation, but he is also personable and has revealed himself through his own revelation. And because of that, we believe that everything that comes into our lives is for a purpose. And the purpose is to bring glory to God, you joy, and draw you deeper into your relationship with Jesus. God is spirit. And he has granted us great freedom by giving us spirit as well. If you have a Bible, open to Luke chapter 4. One of the affirmations about Jesus by those who saw him and interacted with him the most is that he had a unique connection with the Spirit of God. Now, later they understand this as divinity. But in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. Now, the text there tells you Jesus was so connected with the Spirit of God that it filled him. He was filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Open to Luke chapter 11. Jesus understands the Spirit better than any of us as He is one with the Spirit. Luke 11, 11, He is speaking to His people and Jesus says this, Which of you fathers, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, and yet he says that God wants to give the Spirit to you and I as well. Jesus shows a deeply held conviction that God is infinitely generous, and that you can not only live your life with such a view that God is generous, but when your spirit is lacking, depleted, you can live in such a relationship with God that he will give you his Spirit, and he will lead you, and he will guide you, and he will convict you, and he will embrace you, and he will strengthen you as his child. Go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, Jesus talks about the Spirit. He talks about how the Spirit has life and vitality and imagination. And that this is not like a transactional sort of thing where God only has so many units of Spirit. And then you go to Him and He's like, oh, I'm out. You've got to come back next week. It's not like that. Uh, for, for Jesus, God giving the Spirit is an endless relational reality. John 3.34, Jesus says this. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the Spirit without limit. When you walk with God, have been saved by His life and filled with the Spirit, you live in an awareness that life is not about you. And what actually happens is your whole world broadens. You don't only have half the story. People run around thinking who everybody's spiritual. They have half the story. People say, oh, Christians, you're, you're so closed-minded. No, we get the whole story. Our story is broadened like this. It's not narrowly focused where our spirit is all about ourselves. 
it because something that God has done and created this world to make things so huge that we get to become a part of because of what he is doing. When you walk in relationship with God's spirit, you realize he has everything you could ever need. This is God's spirit given to you and I. Being filled with the spirit is coming to the end of yourself and living in a dependent trust upon Christ. This is why certain words Jesus uses. John 20, 22, Jesus says, Receive the Spirit. You need to be open to the Spirit. Endlessly ask Him because God is like a good parent who will fill you and give you without reservation. I believe that God gives each of us an independent inner spirit. But this was meant to bring great glory to God because His people were supposed to worship Him corporately and individually as we connect with each other and with Him. But what happens is humanity took their spirit that they had and began to worship their own spirit that God gave us. And we cut the story in half and only look at ourselves and think, oh, we're so spiritual. But instead, God wants to say, no, I'm going to raise you up to life and I want you to see the entire story of what I am doing. There's so much bigger and greater than you could ever imagine on your own. God's spirit comes to us when we are broken and sinful and fallen and He redeems us. When we talk about walking in the Spirit, receiving the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, it means that we must be so surrendered to God's Spirit that His Spirit so fills us that it begins to shape and reshape everything about us from the inside out. When we are broken, He brings healing. When we are fallen, He lifts us up. When we are sinful, He brings redemption. Walking in the Spirit of God even means that the days when you wake up and you say, it is not worth it, I'm throwing in the towel, I'm sick of it, I'm just done. His Spirit says, you are my child, and we will walk this together. Take my hand, let's go. Frederick Beechner, who I don't often quote from, um, he wrote this, I really like this. He says, the common view is that life itself does not care one way or another any more than the ocean cares whether we swim in it or drown in it. In honesty, one has to admit that a great deal of the evidence supports such a view. But the Christian faith flatly contradicts it. To say that God is spirit is to say that life does care. That the life-giving power that life itself comes from is not indifferent as to whether we sink or swim. It wants us to swim. It wants us to live and walk in the presence of God being renewed and restored. God is not indifferent. God is completely involved. Jesus comes to pay for our sin, that which destroyed our spirit, and connect us with God and each other again. He takes away our sin, restores us to relationship with Him by dying and rising from the dead for His people so our spirits can then become alive again. This is why Easter and Pentecost and Good Friday, it is not just about His death, it is about His life. Our sins are forgiven because of His death, but we are raised to new life because of His resurrection and life. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is the idea of spirit, that God has made us physical beings, but also spiritual beings. And God longs to bring us back to life so we live and walk in the Spirit, to be renewed and restored. This, again, is one of the reasons every week we bring you guys to communion, because communion reminds us of what Jesus died, and then he rose so that we can be a people who rise and live and walk in the newness of spirit and life. That's why you take that cracker and you break it like his body that was broken for us. You dip it in the wine of the grape juice like his blood that was shed for you and I, so we can be a people who truly live and walk as alive people again.
God longs for us to hear His Spirit, to live and walk in this new life. The band's going to come up. And I actually had Sean do a couple songs that I think kind of go along with this this morning after we debate back and forth sometimes. <laughs> and as they do, uh, there'll be some deacons and elders in the back. And you are invited to go and, and pray with them, to talk to them about who Jesus is. Because I, I will tell you, most people have this such narrow-minded view of what spirit is. We have to say, oh, everybody's spiritual. Well, again, yes, everybody is spiritual. But it's so much deeper and more than that. And we would love to introduce you to Jesus Christ so you will know the deeper and the more than that so your worldview just opens up to all that God intends to do in and through you. I worship God through giving. There's offering boxes on the side wall in the back. We give because God gave so much to us. Giving is simply part of our worship. So we give you the opportunity every week. And there's still food in the back. Oh, lots of food in the back. Woohoo! And they would know because they ate half of it. So there's food in the back. And again, we put the food there so that you guys can actually connect with other people, not so you can just like stuff your face. If you see anybody standing back there alone, talk to them. Don't people, This whole thing is spirit. God connects us again with each other. This is again why we push gospel communities, gospel groups so strongly so that you guys will connect with other people because this whole thing of doing life, we do it together. God intends for us to do it together. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Anyway, so, <laughs> must be the spirit coming out of the closet and banging on things on the keyboard. I don't know. <laughs> God has given you a spirit. Live and walk in new life. It is exciting. It is full. And your, and your view just totally opens up. He is great and he is good. And he longs to fill you without reservation. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we ask that we would understand what it means to be filled with your spirit to live and walk in the ways that you call us to live and walk. Not afraid of your spirit, but fully embracing it, fully embracing you. Spirit, we ask as a people that you would fill us, that you would lead us and guide us and convict us and shape us and reshape us into the people that you intend for us to be. We ask that we would listen to the words that you say to us. We would ask that we would understand your presence living in and through us. And that in every day, in everything, we would walk how you call us and how you strengthen us to walk. We thank you for giving of yourself without reservation so that we truly have the strength to walk the life that you call us to. Thank you for being so good to us. Amen.